0: Hello and welcome to The Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. Today's programme is all about reimagining urban mobility and how that can shape better, healthier cities. We're catching up with e-bike innovator Adrian Rose, co-founder of Cowboy.
1: So I think there's a lot of pros to be impatient when you're building a company. But to be fair, I think there's also cons, right? If, If I had to do it again... I would do it slower, because I've realised that slower would end up being faster.
0: This is The Entrepreneurs, with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. This week, we're getting on our bikes. Adrian Rose founded Cowboy E-Bikes along with Karim Slaoui and Tanguy Goretti in Brussels, in 2017. In the years since, the mark has become synonymous with innovation and has been a leader in developing a seamless and connected riding experience. It's my pleasure to welcome Adrian to Monocle.
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Adrian, I feel like you should have come to see us before, primarily because so many of the things that you and your colleagues are interested in, that you lead the way in, are things we're passionate about at Monocle. Urban mobility, entrepreneurship, obviously. But changing the ways people engage with their cities. Why is it taken so long? I don't know, but we're very happy you're here now.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, let me start by asking you, Adrian, did you ever imagine if we go way back that you were going to be part of a brand that would have reshaped the urban fabric, changed the way people travel, enjoy their cities? It's kind of a big deal. Does it surprise you if you stop and think about it?
1: Great question. I've never asked myself that question, if I'm honest. So I think the answer would be no. I grew up with a fascination and, I guess, a curiosity for how things are made in general and how things come to be. And so I just wanted to understand, you know, how our society works. And out of school, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't sure what exactly I was going to do. I actually started working here in London <laughs> in, in finance. So that's pretty far from what I'm doing today. Very quickly, I think I I understood that this urge that I had to understand how the world works, well, essentially, I wanted to put that in practice and try to build something myself. And so my first company was actually in the food delivery space. And that's where I realized very quickly, by organizing and interconnecting really like uh, restaurants with customers and couriers, that traffic in most of our cities was really, really bad. At the beginning, we, we partnered with pretty traditional delivery companies. And the first problem that we faced was that they were simply just stuck in traffic. And so very early on, I think that was, no, slightly more than 10 years ago, at the time, a decision that may have been perceived as quite radical to only partner with bicycle couriers. And so during those couple of years, I just realized how problematic urban mobility is in most large cities across the globe and how powerful a simple solution like cycling could be. And so fast forward a couple of years, I started observing the rise of e-bikes which would essentially make cycling more accessible to everybody you know it's faster it's easier it's more fun but i think what really caught my attention was that it was adopted by a very tiny amount of the population And to some extent, it still is. And so that's how I got into this venture.
0: And then tell me about your colleagues in terms of launching Cowboy. Did you find people who were like-minded? Did you always know that actually you wanted to build a bit more of a team? Was it important to be co-founders, do you think? I wonder, going right back to the start, and even with your experiences subsequently, was there strength in numbers? Was it serendipitous? You fell into conversation. How did that come about?
1: I met my current co-founders through my previous venture, and actually school as well. So we go way back. During university, I studied something called business engineering, sort of a mix between business school and engineering, which means that I I understand the technical but I'm not good at it, right? So it was very clear to me that I had to surround myself with very good technical people. And of course there's so much more than that. But to design and build what we're doing on a daily basis, you essentially need to be really good at both hardware and software. And that was my thinking when I started this company and that's how I wanted to surround myself but as I was saying I think it's so much more than that right having a co-founder to share your ideas fears you know whatever the world throws at you on a daily basis is just so important to bounce back is it easy to stay friends because you know the stakes are high and you've built
0: and you continue to build something really exceptional does that change those dynamics or do you think actually part of the strength of the brand and of your relationships is that they are inviolate and they don't get affected by the day-to-day.
1: I think the truth is that the nature of the friendship changes. And it's not easy because you you start as friends, you become partners, co-workers, you're doing something serious and important. And of course, while there are also lights and fun moments, a lot of it is just hard work, frankly, right? So the stakes are high and you have a lot of tension. And thankfully, we, we are very complementary. Hmm and and we listen to each other and we trust each other and that's what matters most. But uh, for sure, the relationship gets more serious. Maybe like a couple that gets <laughs> a child, <laughs> yeah. in a way.
0: Well, yeah, that's absolutely the case. Let's talk a bit about products because you've already mentioned this amazing mix of technical skills, expertise, a curiosity, I sense from the way you talk about it with your colleagues as well. You want to always a very fast turnaround. I know a lot of startups do do this. Product development, crazy timeframes, things that would have traditionally taken many years. Do you think that's a consequence of a different appetite when we're talking about e-mobility? Was that just a requirement that you and the guys had? You were just impatient and you wanted to get started because to develop products like this, with this level of complexity, as you say, hard and software, in six months is crazy. Why why did you even think that was possible before you did it?
1: I think, to be frank, we had no idea what we were doing, right? (laughs) And and, uh, I'm very impatient by nature. And I think that has some positive, right, in the sense that it creates a momentum and it also enables us to challenge that to grow and maybe bring some naivete to the table saying we can do this even though we don't really know what we were doing at the time, right? I think we were talking about six years ago at the very beginning when essentially we built our first prototype in six months. So I think there's a lot of pros to be impatient when you're building a company. But to be fair, I think there's also cons, right? If if I had to do it again, I would do it slower. Would same, you
0: Would you have been given that time, do you think?
1: It's just because I've realized that slower would end up being faster. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, this, is,
0: this is very profound for early in the chat, but that's interesting. Why is that? Because you can iron out kinks, you can perfect what you're doing?
1: Yeah, you can never redo history, right? So essentially, there were tons of benefits of us having done that fast. When you create a company, you have to show the world, essentially your investors, your future employees, the press, essentially your entire world, your suppliers, like that you are going to do what you're saying that you're going to do right so it has a lot of value to go fast i think some of the best teams out there are great because they go fast they iterate quickly the reason why i said that slower might have been faster for us is that in hardware companies unlike in software companies your mistakes are very costly if you put on the market a product that has a bug. (laughs) With the software, you can easily correct it over the air and maybe no one even notices. On a hardware product, you're going to have to live with it until the end of life of all of these products. So it's quite a different mindset and mistakes that you make at the beginning, you end up paying a very high price for it later on.
0: And it's interesting because I guess one of the defining characteristics really of Cowboy as a brand is the fact that it is this sort of holistic approach. There's engineering, hardware, software components. We'll, we'll come on to more of that in a second. But why was that so important and why does it remain so important? Because I'm sure a lot of people who are offering you counsel just said, no, 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 don't try to do everything. It's quicker. It's cheaper. It's more efficient. You can swap in and swap out. You play the field in terms of who you're collaborating with. Why were you so set on that? Because, again, it feels like that was a real founding principle for you and, and the guys.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I think we our vision has been clear since day one. And I think that has contributed to where we are today, for sure. So when we noticed that there was an opportunity, essentially the reason why we created Cowboy is to accelerate the adoption of cycling. If you think about it, that's our only mission, because we think that the more people who cycle on the road, essentially the safer and the faster and the healthier our community moves around city and, and the better we end up as a society. And so if you believe that to be true, well, we, we started to be fascinated by electric bikes which essentially, as we discussed earlier, that just make the ride more accessible, faster and, and more fun for everybody. And so when we started six years ago, e-bikes were not new. The problem with e-bikes were that they were poorly designed and very expensive and as a result the only early adopters of that new product category which is a fascinating category because it can really replace cars within cities were the elderly like the first person who talked to me about an e-bike was my grandfather and so it's simply because they needed it the most right without their bikes being electrified a lot of people when they reach 70 80 years old would become difficult to just ride the normal bikes but the question we asked ourselves was if this product is properly designed Can it become attractive to everybody, to people like you and me? And we're convinced since the beginning that in today's world, this product will have to be connected because there is only so much that you can improve through hardware. While we realized very early on that if the product was connected, we could improve the experience of the rider before the ride, during the ride and after the ride with functionalities like theft detection, which is is such a problem in, in large cities. Like you have a fear of getting your bike stolen. But also, for example, crash detection in the sense that, unfortunately, if you have an accident, well, the bike, for example, can alert automatically your loved one sending an automated SMS with your exact GPS location, et cetera, et cetera. So those were just some of the very early features that we built through this connectivity and through that software. And now we're shifting our focus more and more towards enhancing the experience during the ride, notably with our recent partnership with Google Maps that we are quite proud of.
0: Yeah, I mean, that must be an amazing moment. Another one of these sort of unreal moments where you're sort of partnering with these huge international institutions. Just on the product side, then, go back to kind of the first series of the bikes And maybe now looking back, how happy were you with the first iteration? You already talked about having to have this iterative approach by by necessity in product development. Everyone is aware of that. But was it important that there were things you knew you wanted to improve through Series two, three, four, and so on?
1: If you see your first prototype from a distance, it's very similar to what the product still looks today six years down the road. Of course, if you look closer, it's very different. I mean, to be honest, we were pretty happy with that first prototype. It only took us six months and... We had raised just a little bit of capital. We were just the three of us three co-founders, we didn't have any employees. We spent most of our time on site with suppliers in factories, essentially pitching them our vision for what the product would end up and how successful we would end up being together over the years. And so that worked out really well like we we partner with the brand design studio, we partner with industrial designers in Sweden. and so for me, those first six months were quite magical where, Simply by talking to people, we explained what our vision was for the brand, for the company, for the product. And we managed to have actually so many people around the globe working together to build that product with very little time and very little money. And that was an amazing proof of concept for ourselves, right? Because before we jumped into this venture, we had no experience with building a hardware product or with the cycling industry. And just six months down the road, we won startup of the year at the largest trade show in the cycling industry and it was just you know massive recognition and that enabled us to actually start raising proper venture capital and with that capital to start going from that prototype to to Cowboy 1 which we launched 1 year later in the Belgian market and then since then we've been iterating nearly on a yearly basis i think that first 6 months was very magical and that's when you realize when you start having your first products in the market and to what we were discussing earlier that this is a vehicle, a connected electric vehicle that's going to be used by riders and abused by riders like for every day. Thankfully, thanks to the fact that the bikes are connected, we we know what the usage of all of these bikes are and they're they're being used every day, right, to really replace people's cars and they're being used every day for years. And so what we realized very quickly, which is obvious in hindsight, is that the after sales component of our organization, of our business was Mm -hmm. going to be hugely important. It's interesting. So there were things that were necessarily, you wanted a holistic
0: approach before, and then other ones you understood were also holistic through doing. Do you miss some of that day, that alchemy of those early days when you were on shop floors, meeting people out and about, and you said you're doing things kind of on a shoestring, $120 million raised later? you're in meetings with the finance guys, you're talking to hacks like me in radio studios. Do you miss being the front line? Would you Would you rather, right now, would you rather be in, in a ball bearings factory <laughs> looking at components? Part of you must miss it.
1: Yeah, part of me misses it. But, you know, what I love and I think what I'm good at is actually this this act of creation where you put people and ideas um, together and, and you create things. And it's still very much the same today. It just takes a, a slightly different form, right? now I, I travel less to suppliers than I used to right we We have teams of engineers and extremely good uh, organization on on the supply chain side, et cetera. so it's definitely different than i I have very good memories um of the early days, but I think creating something out of nothing is still something that we do on a daily basis like as an entrepreneur we, it certainly shifts right I think it's shifting more and more at the beginning you build the first version of your product, then you build the first version of your team, then you build the first version of your organization, and then you need to find the right balance. And I think that's where probably a lot of founding CEO who organically or or naturally excel at product design initially have to find the right balance. You Mm. You need to grow into your role as a CEO, but you also can't completely walk away from product design because at the heart, this is what we do and who we are as, as an organization. And of course, you do everything you can to hire people who are better than you in every role of the organization. But I think the heart and soul of your product design organization is very, very hard to hire for. I believe that it has value for my co-founders and I to continue to be very involved on the product design front. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's, that is the magic. That's the brand capital, isn't it, almost? Just on that point, it's interesting talked to lots of founders who talk very well about building a brand. I think one of the things that's interesting about not just cowboy, but actually I guess the whole e-bike sector, which is in an unrecognizable state that it was even five years ago, let alone ten. There was so much work required in creating the environment in which the brands could thrive, not just the brands themselves. You had to change the way people engage with bikes on the roads. It's a bit like the charging question, I guess, in e-vehicles, charging stations, there's the infrastructure. There's a different kind of social buy-in that's also happened. And weirdly, a lot of that responsibility, I guess, sits on... The shoulders of people like yourself, doesn't it? To be ambassadors, to be innovators. Do you wear that lightly? Do you think that is true? I mean, I guess there must be people in city halls around the world who want to talk to you about your vision. Did that take you by surprise or were you expecting that kind of scrutiny and engagement might happen?
1: I think to be fair, we, we actually don't have that many of such conversations and we are still a small team, right? We're still a small organization. We already do a lot of things and we believe that our role is to design and service the best products out there and we can't do everything. Now, we are in a unique position in the sense that we have direct relationships with thousands of thousands of cyclists on the road. We can chat with them. We can literally talk with them, right? And we also have a quite unique set of data. We know where people cycle. We know where their bikes get stolen. We know where they have an accident. So we have this unique data that actually would be highly beneficial for cities to improve their infrastructures and I'm actually surprised that we've not received more attention for these datasets just yet and it's a great question like do we need to have like an activist role in a sense is there a war on cars and do we need to be at the forefront of that war and the reality is that for the first years until today like my initial answer was No, in the sense that cars are not evil; they are necessary for many people and for many different use cases, and especially outside of cities. But I think that what I'm starting to observe more and more, and is that you know, at the end of the day, within cities, if you want to shift people moving around from cars to cycling, we can't make the road larger. Right? The cities are what they are, and essentially, you need to shift some. Part of the space that's allocated to cars, both on the road but also on parking. Right? It sounds like a simple problem, but parking your bike is not a, such a simple problem when you live in an apartment in Paris or in London or in Brussels. And so my answer is shifting actually over the last few days. I think that there is a war on car, and I think that we should be at the f- front of it. And Because if you want to increase the number of cyclists on the road, the first thing that people ask is to feel safe. Right, mm. It sounds so basic, but people don't feel safe riding a bike. Like I, I just rode a bike that I rented this morning for 20 minutes to come here. And, you know, it, it's pretty clear that we're still at the very, very early days of a simple concept like the cycling lane. So all of that to say that I think that we have a role to play. We have a voice and we should probably use it a bit louder. And we should start having those conversations with cities to maybe just explain what we see.
0: Well, and your point about the data sets is compelling. I mean, surely that's, I think we say, if you're in City Hall, if you're the mayor of London, Paris, wherever it might be, get in touch, right? That's The call to action Is has been issued. Let's see who picks up the red phone. That'll be interesting. Let me talk to you a bit about the relationship with your consumers because i think lots of the big players in your space are very good at their d2c it's online often but physical retail is an interesting one i wonder how early in the process you sort of realized that was something that could be interesting obviously here in london i think for a while now what does physical retail bricks and mortar we're fans of it obviously at monocle but what does that mean to you why does that add something extra
1: you know, for the first few years of our commercial development, we distributed our products only on Cowboy.com. And I think the reason, is, or the reason was that we were quite supply constrained in the sense that anything that we would manage to build, we would sell quite immediately and quite easily through our own D2C online channel. Then i think a couple of things changed over the years you know we we, we now started this company um, six years ago we we've iterated on a few different models of our products we've changed the way that we structured our supply chain and so i think after having gone through a, a set of different challenges we now feel that we can accelerate our production one and so we are looking for additional sales channels to accelerate our sales and the reality is that most people still discover and buy their bikes and e-bikes in their local bike stores. This year, we've decided to embrace that. And we've started partnering with bike stores. It's only been a couple of weeks, right? But we are accelerating our efforts. We have close to 100 partners at the moment, and we'll have a couple of hundreds by 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 the end of the year. Um, but that's just one side of the equation. And the, the other side of the equation is is that, as, as we were discussing earlier, you know, this is a connected electric vehicle that's going to be used on a daily basis. And so there's going to be an element of, of wear and tear and, and repair as well. So you need partners essentially everywhere where you sell and, and, and ship your products to, to service the bikes of your consumers. And we've built a model that's called Cowboy Mobile Service. So because of previous venture, we're in on-demand logistics. This is a capability that we had as a founding team. So, think of it a bit like Uber, but for servicing your bike. And so, this is a service that we offer since the very beginning of Cowboy. And we're going to keep that service, but I think this is going to shift to some form of a VIP service in a sense, a premium service. I don't really like this word, but it is what it is. Like, when you think about it, if we send a technician to your house to fix your bike, it has a cost to us. And this is something that if we want to keep and if we want to scale, well, essentially, we're going to have to start charging for it. And so I think the normal service model for us is, is going to shift to the traditional way of selling and repairing bicycles, which is by partnering with your local shops, which is an excellent job at that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And celebrating local, which kind of runs through all of what we've talked about. Just briefly on this point about supply chain production, I know there was a long-standing interest in sourcing more components super locally from Europe, I know that you have your B Corp status. Hard one, always. Every entrepreneur that we have on this program tells us about that. And that's really important, isn't it? Because these things, demonstrating a commitment to greening, shortening supply chains, to B Corp status and so forth. These are very clear indicators to a consumer, presumably who are ever more demanding about things like that. They want to know that you're not just talking a good game. You must be very proud of the strides that you've made. More to come still, though?
1: Yeah, more to come for sure. Like I keep telling the team internally that the B Corp certification really is just the first step. Of course, consumers value it, right? It has a value to accelerate our sales and to accelerate the trust that we build with our consumers. But the real value that I see in the B Corp program is that it gives you a roadmap that's nearly infinite. Because I don't think you can ever reach the perfection on that roadmap. So you, it gives you a roadmap for essentially how you could and you should improve the way that you do business across every function of your organization right so i really love this project internally it was my initiative but it's the team really rally around it and structure itself quite organically to make it work and people are really passionate about it right i think our employees take pride in the fact that we've been certified b-corp and that we they know that we this is something that we care about and that we will continue to work on and to your point on the supply chain I think at Cowboy, we have a unique opportunity to do things, to manufacture things in a different way than what's traditionally been done. Um, If you look at the cycling industry from the outside, it's actually a lot of fairly small brands that run small production cycles of many different products, while at Cowboy, we take nearly the opposite strategy. We want to produce in very high quantity, very few models so that we can invest in the manufacturing capabilities to reach a higher design and a higher quality, and also so that we can manufacture those parts in an automated way. That's how you bring back manufacturing to Europe, essentially. So now we are manufacturing some of our parts, for example, in Germany, which sounds maybe counterintuitive because of higher labor costs, but it's not because it's automated, and we work with this very high-end manufacturer in Germany for that specific part that used to work only in the automotive industry. But now, thanks to Cowboy's approach of manufacturing parts in the very high quantities, it's 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 also a way for them to discover and venture into a new industry. And so, I think we're going to see more and more of that. And that's personally an area that's uh, that I find quite fascinating: is how do we reinvent Talking about creating new stuff, like how do we reinvent not the product itself, but how we manufacture the product Mm. in a more sustainable way.
0: Well, yeah, and it's interesting that you can look for sustainable fixes in heavy industrial solutions. This is, again, it comes back to this point about taking a holistic view. I could talk to you all day, Adrian, but we probably need to wrap up just quickly. Partnership with Google Maps, hugely exciting. What are you most excited about? I know there's many developments. We know your processes are iterative, so there's always something exciting from day to day, practically, let alone year to year. But if we were to sit here in, I don't know, six months, what would be top of your list of things to talk about, do you think, at this stage?
1: I think the partnership with Google Map is definitely hugely exciting in the sense that we now have the best navigation interface in the world thanks to the partnership with Google Map and us being the first bike maker to integrate that into our own app. But again that's just the very beginning i think what's interesting is that we can now build on top of it and you know we were discussing about our own unique data sets that we collect thanks to the sensors that we have within the bike and so what we would be discussing in six months is how we have managed to build those data sets together to compile those data sets together like the unique cowboy data sets with the google map navigation system and how that combined provides quite a unique and enhanced on-ride experience. And that's something that we're working on, I'm very excited, and we'll, we'll launch in autumn. In just a couple of days, we are launching also our first cruiser model, which so, so it's essentially a twist on our, our original classic model, where you're going to have a slightly more upright and more comfortable position, which has been an ask from our community for years. And it sounds like a simple ask, but it's taken us <laughs> some some time to actually uh, prioritize it, and I'm very excited about that. And three, I think, is you know, if we were to sit down again in, in six months and uh, discuss how this partnership with all of our retail partners is going. And in the first few weeks, I see that it's very encouraging, right? So I, I can't wait to see how this network of partners will look like in a couple of months and, and years. That
0: was Cowboy Bikes co-founder Adrian Rose. You can learn more about the brand and its journey and check out the latest products and developments by heading to cowboy.com now. And that's it for this episode of The Entrepreneurs. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out for Eureka coming your way this Friday. Program was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Tamsin Howard. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com. While you're there, why not subscribe to Monocle magazine and read more about better businesses every month? You can also follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred platform. You can get in touch with the team right to Laura on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye, and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.